adultery. That act broke the bond of marriage with the hammer of infidelity. That was his interpretation of something indecent. Sadly, Shammai's interpretation was the minority view. On the other side was the school of Hillel, the leftist progressive of the day. Rabbi Hillel said a man could divorce his wife for, quote, any and every reason, end quote. If she gains five pounds, that sounds like something indecent, divorce her. If you aren't happy anymore, divorce her. As crazy as it sounds, we have records of Hillel's teachings where he says things like, if she burns the toast, ervat davar, divorce her. For obvious reasons, Hillel's take was by far the popular majority view. And to clarify, Hillel's interpretation was called the Any and Every Reason Clause and was written on marriage certificates around the time of Jesus. Now, back to the Pharisee's question. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? The Pharisees are essentially asking Jesus, where do you stand on divorce, with Hillel or with Shammai? What's your take? Jesus' answer speaks volumes. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. In other words, you're asking the wrong question. The question you should be asking is, what is God's dream for marriage? And to answer that question, Jesus takes the Pharisees back to the beginning. He quotes from one of the first stories in the scriptures, and it turns out to be a love story. In the Genesis narrative, God looks down on the world and sees that Adam is a lonely human on a solitary planet. It is not good for the man to be alone, he says. So God does something about it. He causes a deep sleep to fall over Adam. Then he takes a rib from the man's side, and from that rib, from Adam's bones, he creates Eve. Adam wakes up to a dream, and he sings over the woman. This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. Notice that the first words out of a human's mouth in the scriptures are a love song. And with a smile on his face, God joins in the song and says, That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. When God said that, God created marriage. Did you catch that? God created marriage. This whole thing was his idea. Love, marriage, sexuality, romance, it all began in the mind of God. It was his imagination, his creative genius that thought it all up. Marriage did not evolve 50,000 years ago in ancient Mesopotamia as a way to deal with civic litigation. It was embedded into human DNA right from the start. That's why people from every culture on the planet get married. From Papua New Guinea to New York City, one strand runs through the tapestry of the more than 7 billion people on earth. Marriage. Marriage is the product of creation, not culture. Humans get credit for a lot of stuff in the Genesis story. We came up with science and technology and the arts and architecture and urban planning, but not marriage. It goes all the way back to God. That means that God knows how it's supposed to function, how it's supposed to work. The God who created marriage knows what it's supposed to look like. But somewhere along the way, we lost sight of what God intended. We need to circle back to the beginning, to the story that started it all. The reality is that the garden story holds out two truths. The first is that love is beautiful. 
All those years ago, God created something stunning. Despite the pain, the heartbreak, and the long odds, we keep coming back to the love song that is male and female. Somehow we know, deep in our bones, that it's well worth the risk. At the same time, though, we all know that something is wrong. The beauty of the original creation is still there, but it's been marred and warped. Something happened in that garden. The serpent found his way into Eden. He came upon Adam and Eve in the beauty of unpolluted, innocent love. Seething with hatred and jealousy, all he could think to do was destroy the first marriage. God is the creator of life. The serpent is not his equal, but he is his opposite. Jesus called him a murderer from the beginning and exposed his agenda as one who comes only to steal and kill and destroy. What God builds up, the serpent tries to tear down. What God sets free, he tries to imprison.